Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Toilets! Today's show is all about toilets. Before I get started... Not started on the toilet, but before I get started with the episode. Just a friendly warning that we do use a rude word to describe poop several times in this episode. So if you're listening with children or you've got particularly delicate ears, you might want to skip this episode. The next episode, by the way, is all about IQ tests and that will not contain the word sh- I promise. Now then, toilets are something we don't really like to think about too much. Perhaps that's the reason why the technology behind them has really barely progressed in 150 years. Unless, of course, you live in Japan. But if you do stop for a moment and stare down into the toilet bowl of history, then you'll be surprised how much is down there and how much it might need unblocking. Today, my guest is Rose George, author of The Big Necessity, a book all about toilets. Rose is a fantastic author. We've had her on the show before. She did a fantastic episode on the history of the shipping container, which was terrific. Anyway, welcome to Patented. I'm your host, Dallas Campbell. And today it is time to talk about the toilet or the crapper or the bog or the john or the loo or the head or the comfort station, the kazi, the dunny, the can, the throne, the pissoir. Whatever you like. Enjoy. Welcome back to the show, Rose George. Nice to have you with us again. For me, when I think about toilets, first of all, I think about language because I hate using the word toilet. Oh, what do you use there? Well, it's so the words we use for toilets or loos or whatever seem to be very class-based and very culturally based, depending on where you're from. And Well, they're all euphemisms. My granny, for example, if you use the word toilet, she'd recoil in horror. Yeah, and that she, used to be... say, it's yeah. not a toilet, it's the loo. Or, I can't remember what she said. My favourite is um, the French vulgar word for toilet, which is shot. I like that. What is it, shot? Shot. Does it just mean shit? Pretty much, yeah, the shitter. <laughs> I don't know what I say. I, it depends on who I'm with. Because we like to be funny with it, don't we? Because I, I suppose we're embarrassed by the fact that we need to go and um, go to the loo. Yeah. I think I use loo. I think that's my standard go-to. Well, that's just French. Is it? Where does loo come from? So loo comes from garder l'eau, which is what they used to yell when they chucked out 
chamber pots. Oh, is that right? So watch out for the water. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. And I suppose toilet, toilet, and yeah. must come from and lavatory must be French. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, all French. So toilet used to be a dressing table. Yeah. To do your toilet, and then obviously. Oh, de toilet. Became a toilet. Why? Why are the French so obsessed by toilets? I wonder. I always. I They're always, not. Aren't they? No, we just used French words to, I think, as a kind of massive national insult to describe our dirtiest subjects. <laughs> anyway, toilets, where do we even start? Why did you write a book about the invention of toilets? Well, for two reasons. One was that if you look at the world, there is just this massive public health crisis caused by the lack mm. of toilets. So the fact that when I wrote the book, there was 2.6 billion people without any kind of toilet was just, I just found that completely extraordinary and awful. And on the other hand, when you look at the system in somewhere like the UK and you think it works perfectly, then you look closely at it and it clearly doesn't, but it only really gets away with it because people don't really like to think of it beyond flushing a toilet. What? So, Well, that's really interesting. Why... Doesn't it work perfectly? You kind of pull the chain and you don't expect to see it again. And generally you don't see it again. Well, have you been swimming in a river recently? That's interesting. A few, many years ago, 10 years ago, I was filming in Mexico City and Mexico City is sinking. It suffers from subsidence because they built the city in the wrong place. And part of the problem with subsidence is that everything just kind of collects. Nothing can flush away. And there's a guy whose job it is to unblock the pumps. They have to pump all the crap out because, you know, no. all the sewer pipes get blocked up. And I, I went diving in a Mexican sewer in raw feces. Nice. So it was nice. It was Well, it was interesting. It, and, you know, as I was pulled out, I was wearing this industrial diving kit. And as I was pulled out, we had to reshoot it because it wasn't just I was covered in shit. I was covered from head to toe in used condoms. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> it, was, it was really grim. Anyway... Sorry, yes. Oh, no, you've ruined my thesis now. Well, one of my theses is that... Your feces um, thesis. My feces thesis is that sewers actually don't smell. The ones I've been down don't smell, probably because the ones I've been down are in London. So the massive amount of drinking water that we flush down our toilets mean that it, it just doesn't smell. I didn't notice that. I went down to London one recently and we, I had to break up a fatberg, you know. I had yeah, to the, the, the fat smells and the fat's horrible, but they, yes, don't, they don't smell a shit, do they? No, you're right. They don't. They, I, I, don't, they, I, can't, I don't remember it smelling of anything. So that's because we just flush a load of drinking water down. Well, presumably when you flush the chain, you're just flushing drinkable water down the loo. Yeah, you could drink what's in your toilet system. Should you feel obliged to (laughs) or need to? But yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it's a very, very good system for removing a potentially toxic substance. But on the other hand, it is complete lunacy to use clean drinking water to flush away dirt. Yes, And we really really should have come up with something better, but it's a bit late now. Well, it's funny, actually, I've traveled a bit and you've traveled a bit. And I noticed there's all kinds of interesting cultural differences when it comes to going to the loo. Japan, for example, it's all very high tech and and Mm. other countries, it's just you're just squatting over a hole. Let's talk about the origins of, I mean, presumably the toilet was just a hole in the ground or not even that. It has been for most of history, it has been a hole in the ground. Yeah. But um, so you either get rid of shit with soil or water essentially throughout history so yeah but if you want to talk about the flush toilet which is i guess what we're talking about rather than a latrine or any kind of container for our feces and urine then you probably have to go back to about 2000 bc and the palace of 
Lassos in Crete. Oh, interesting. I was kind of imagining Romans, but but we can go further back. Oh, than the, the Romans, Romans do it too, but yeah, you go further back. And even further back, there was kind of very rudimentary flush toilets in uh, the Indus Valley in sort of modern day Pakistan. But Crete had, again, quite rudimentary. So that just, it would be kind of a latrine, but with a flush going underneath, which is what the Romans had. And what was the reason, like, what, at what point did someone say, actually, we're not just going to do a poo and bury it or whatever? Like, was there a reason, particularly, was it a health reason or was it sort of culturally? Because presumably, you know, they didn't have the same cultural aversion to going to the loo as we, perhaps we do in the UK. No, and the Roman toilets were generally very communal and friendly. So you would go, yeah. no no stalls or partitions. You would go, it was a social occasion. <laughs> so I'd get terrible, I'd get anxiety. I, I, if I had to do that. Hmm. I mean, having a pee, I don't mind because it's, but having, you know, having a, a poo. <laughs> yeah, especially if there's complications. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. We've been completely socialised into being ashamed of it. And even, <laughs> even I, who have spent, you know, 20 years now talking about shit, I still would never yeah. get up from a dinner table and say, right, I need a poo. Never. Actually, one of the greatest scenes ever, extras. Did you ever watch Extras, mm. the Ricky Gervais series? Anyway, there's a scene where Ricky Gervais, the, who's the, the guy who plays Ricky Gervais's agent in Extras, the tall, lanky guy, whose name, the actor I now forget. Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant, thank you very much. He invites his girlfriend or the girl he's having a date with around to dinner. And it's really awkward and they're in a tiny flat and he suddenly goes to the loo, which is right behind the dinner table. And it's all, you can hear everything. And then he sort of comes out and he says, oh, I'm really sorry. And he has to go in there with an egg whisk to sort it out oh my god <laughs> it's so disgusting but it's very funny you know it's that great play on social anxiety well it's the thing i mean with even with like modern flush toilets you have to there is a huge amount of pretense because everybody has to pretend that you can't hear things so is that why the japanese when they have a, they have a little kind of ledge where it lands on so it doesn't splash and then it flushes away no that's the germans oh is that the germans that's sorry the German. germans okay. have a ledge no the, the japanese invented a machine called the flush princess which made played the sound of flushing water so that people <laughs> women essentially wouldn't be embarrassed by the sound of peeing and plopping but anyway we're getting back to crete so crete okay crete so the minoan castle at crete had these rudimentary flush toilets but mm. then not a lot happened until... Describe the flush toilet of Knossos. So it didn't have well, a handle. It wasn't... What did it look like? No, there, it was... Well, it's ruined. So <laughs> we assume that it was just like a holes on a... You know, like the Roman right. like bench with holes in and then underneath a channel... A stream ...where water would on. flow through. Mm. Yeah. But then the first kind of, let's call it a water closet. So it's something we would think of as a sort of self-contained unit that flushed away. Yeah. Who was most pleasingly invented by Queen Elizabeth's nephew, Sir John Harrington, in probably about 1596. Allegedly, again, it's this is all kind of some of its supposition, although he did write a whole poem, I think, or book about it, which was helpful. Apparently, she came to visit him. He was in disgrace because he'd written some racy poetry and had been banished to his country seat. And then she came to visit where he had installed this, he called it the Ajax. The Ajax. Which was a play on the word Jakes, which was slang for a toilet. Sir John Harrington. Why did Sir John Harrington, or do we know the motivation for John Harrington to design and invent what we can call the first flush toilet? We do not. Just lost in history. Just, yeah, he just felt like it. Was it like a kind of gravity flush? You know, that you had, it looked like a box. So you'd have a box up 
like a gravity flush toilet, you know. No, it was self so it was quite self-contained. So it would have it had this system of levers and pulleys mm. and a box. Okay. I mean it works, but it was really expensive, obviously, so it didn't catch on. So we've gone from ancient Greece via the Romans. Now we're in the Elizabethan time. Also, we, we, we forgot t- the monasteries. Oh. Actually, the monasteries were also quite influential, but they didn't have flush toilets. They would stick their toilets quite high up on the monastery so that they were near heaven while performing the most base act and then they would huh. it would drop into the moat as a way of sort of cleansing oneself rather yes. than wiping you could have a sort of a yes. deity supernatural that makes sense okay so we've got monasteries so okay so you know every sort of book of facts about the invention of the toilet they always mention thomas crapper can we yeah, just well, they, clear they that shouldn't. up but we like it just because his name's crap it's got crap in the title so we, we do, so we want it to be that coincidence but it's not true is it no he did not invent the toilet he did probably invent the bathroom showroom so he did have a shop. Showroom. Yeah. So he had a shop selling toilets, which was quite racy at the time in Victorian London. Okay. Uh, he was a very good salesperson. He was pretty good at advertising, but he did not invent the toilet. So is the toilet as we imagine it, you know, the thing that one sits on? If I, in my time machine, travel back, when would I find the first thing? Oh, let, you know, that's a proper flushing loo with a handle and things. 1775 or six. Okay. So okay. Georgian, actually, I think. Georgian? Okay. Yeah. So I would say the inventor of the flush toilet was Alexander Cumming. Who he? He was a watchmaker from Edinburgh, moved to London. Pretty well-known watchmaker. He was on the commission judging the longitude competition. Mm -hmm. And also apparently quite interested in toilets. And he got a patent for what became known as the S-Bend, which is extremely important in a toilet. Tell us about the S-Bend. So there were toilets before that, but they were smelly because the odours would be trapped in the toilet. And the S-Bend, what it did was it created a seal between the odours and the shit. So the shit would be flushed away, and then the water would sit in the kind of kink. So he basically bent a pipe, is what he did, for the salvation of us all. And he basically banished smell and did not get enough credit. Thomas Crapper got all the credit. And had nothing to do with it whatsoever. That's really interesting. So really, the the key bit of technology is the S bend. So you would have you, you would have perhaps had a straight pipe, and it would have stunk. Yeah. And then, but actually, just the simple thing of somebody going actually, well, if you do this, then you trap water in the S bend. Yeah. And it just looks like a letter S, presumably, is why it's yeah. called an S bend. Although there are now S's, U's, P's, and J's. But yeah, the S bend was the. Um, it's not. I mean, obviously, using water is pretty essential to a flush toilet too. But the S bend yeah. probably is the biggest engineering achievement of the toilet and that was alexander cummings alexander cummings okay so there we go 1775 did you say yeah 1775 still didn't really catch on and then so uh, who would have had those who would so we're in 1775 who would have had a an alexander cummings toilet rich people so they would be absolutely out of all realms of possibility for anyone who was not rich and would you have had a, a special room for that or, or would it have been in the bathroom I think that was when the flush toilet could come inside the house because once you eradicated the smell, then you could have a private bathroom. So very, very slowly, that's when the toilet as a room became slowly, very, very slowly. But the next hero of toilet invention was a Yorkshireman from Barnsley, of course, called Joseph Brammer. And he noticed that Cummings' design froze in cold weather. So he invented a hinged flap. So we've got the S bend, the hinge flap. <laughs> hinge flap. <laughs> anyway, his hinge flap, he got the patent in 1778. And his toilets 
are still working in Osborne House on the Isle of Wight. So he installed toilets for Queen Victoria. Huh. And when you say hinge flap, what do you mean? Do you mean the seat? No. No. Um, so in the pipe. Oh, I see. So a flap that could obviously open and shut. And I'm not a plumber and an oral engineer, and I have a very vague understanding of this, but That's okay. it made it better. That's all we need to know. It made it better. So hinge flap. And that would, in terms of making it better, that would have been another smell thing to make the smell better. Yes. Or more efficiently. So it wouldn't freeze and then you'd have frozen wastes. In your in your bathroom. <laughs> if people want to go and experience the very first, in inverted commas, the very first toilet, they should need to go to the Isle of Wight. I don't know if there are any Alexander Cumming loos still in existence, but I definitely know that they should head for Osborne House and ask the royal family if they can use their toilet. There you go. We try to bring you cold, hard facts on Gone Medieval, but January is all about mysteries. Impossible riddles from medieval history that defy efforts to solve them. How did the presence of a mysterious saviour from the East turn into devastation? What secrets does a book written in an unknown code hide? Did kings and princes really die when history has assumed they did? I'm Matt Lewis, and in January, we'll see how close we can get to answering the unanswerable and ask how these mysteries might be solved in the future. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The public loo. When did we first start seeing public lavatories in cities? There were public lavatories in Henry VIII's time. They were called, there was a long house. It was on the one of the bridges over the River Thames and you just sat on a hole and mm. did your business. And mm-hmm. so there were public latrines, but the sort of, the flush toilet, public toilet, there is a theory that is very widely believed that it was after the Great Exhibition of 1851 when George Jennings had a public toilet display. And there is a belief that that's, a, when we started saying spend a penny, because that was the 
fee to use them. And secondly, that suddenly there were public toilets everywhere and everybody had a toilet, but it was actually much, much slower and more complicated than that. So it was over the 19th century, there became public toilets. And to talk about public toilets and to talk about how the flush toilet became absolutely standard, we have to talk about the Great Stink, which I'm sure you'd love to do. Let's talk about the Great Stink. 1858, I believe, is the great, the famous great. And this is so the Great Stink is that okay? We had flush toilets, but we didn't have basil jet building beautiful sewers as we recognise them at the moment. We did. So we have to understand that the flush toilet cannot exist on its own. I have seen flush toilets connected to nothing and they're not much use. So the flush toilet is obviously has to be part of a wastewater system. And and until 1858 in the Great Stink of London, what happened was that even if you had enough money to install the flush toilet, your shit was going straight into the Thames. And everybody else's was as well, whether they had latrines or... And they closed down a lot of cesspits in the 1840s and 50s in London because there were cholera outbreaks and they thought that it was all in the air and that noxious fumes were killing people. Whereas, of course, it was the fact that they were putting poo in the drinking water. So in 1858, there was a heat wave and suddenly, and obviously with population growth, suddenly you had a perfect storm of sewage in the Thames. And the most important part of the Great Stink was that it happened pretty much under the noses of MPs in the Palace of Westminster. I think without that, we would not have had Basil Jet suddenly being given the budget because he had been put on a commission to install sewers about 10 or 15 years earlier, but he needed £4 million and they wouldn't give him more than two. So he couldn't do it. Just remind our listeners who Basil Jet is. I'm sure that everyone knows yes. who Basil so, Jet is. So Sir Joseph, no, they don't. <laughs> Maybe it's because you and I just spend a lot of time thinking about sewage systems. Anyway... So Joseph Bazalgette was an engineer and a superstar in many ways. Mm. He had his flaws, but he was the engineer in charge of installing the Metropolitan Sewerage Network of London. So saved hundreds of thousands of lives, probably. So the Great Stink was uh, very traumatic for the poor MPs of the Palace of Westminster, and it encouraged them to put through legislation in 10 days, which was absolutely unheard of, to install the sewers of London. So Basil Jett spent about 20 years installing the sewers of London. And he was a pretty smart fellow, so he installed them with 25% extra capacity to allow for population growth. We've long since gone beyond that. But so now you had flush toilets that had somewhere to go so that it was still discharged into the Thames, but further down river, so you wouldn't have a great stink. And in fact, that caused another great scandal. There was a horrible disaster with a pleasure boat called the Princess Alice, which sank in the Thames just near the two discharge points for all the sewer networks. And if you read the accounts from the time, lots of loads of people drowned and they said that they couldn't breathe because of all the sewage in the river. So it's, it's been a slow sort of progress. And for a long time, sewage just was dumped in the sea as well. So Tell me about the toilets of the future then, because I know I mentioned when I was diving in the Mexican sewer the other day, condoms. They use condoms, don't they, to test toilet flush? They do use condoms to test toilet flushes, or at least the engineer that I interviewed, what I called Bill Gawley, who decided to test American toilets. And he discovered that the best thing to use was a particular brand of miso paste. Of me- Wait, of miso paste? Yeah. Well, you just pour it down the loon to see if it flushes away. No. So then he obviously needed something to put it in. And he realized that a condom was the best thing. So he 
filled a condom with miso paste and chucked it against the wall and it kept it <laughs> kept its um form <laughs> so he started using those to flush uh, as flush media but i mean other toilet companies use different things i think um George Jennings at the Great Exhibition of 1851, he used a lot of apples, apples and paper and what have you. But um, I mean, the toilet, it's a really weird object because it's known as a distress purchase because people don't upgrade it. You don't think of it as a luxury item, except in Japan. Yes, I was going to say. But elsewhere in the world, we we only really change our toilet when we're upgrading the bathroom or or it breaks. So it's known as a distress purchase. Yes, Unlike kind of televisions. Yeah. So they're not desirable consumer items. You don't, you know, you don't go to a plumbing showroom and gaze at all the nice toilets. But actually in Japan, you can. Even in a regular department store, you'll go downstairs and you'll find a toilet display or toilet Why seat the display. Jap- Why are they so obsessed by toilets in Japan? I mean, honestly, when I'm in Japan, I'm amazed at the amount of buttons and the amount of ways yeah, you can wash it. I, they freak me out. I don't like sort of the heated seat. I don't want to be squirted up the old chuff with a jet of water. I just don't want I don't that. see why not, because toilet paper is a terrible way to clean yourself. But, um, oh, don't get me started. Okay, where, who invented toilet paper? I'm, I'm a bit fussy with toilet paper as well. And I know I should be using kind of co-op re- recycled. Well, you should, be using, you should be using a bit of water. Is what, if you think about it, we wash everything, our cars, our windows. We wash everything with water except the dirtiest part of our body. It's really weird. Well, I suppose the B-Day was a way of... Well, the B-Day is, another, is a completely bit. unappreciated yeah, object, which even the French have reduced their use of B-Days. Yeah. But the Japanese, to get back to the Japanese, they didn't used to be obsessed with toilets. And then it was sort of after the Second World War and very, very slowly over the next kind of 30 years. Because they have this, not obsession, but interest in cleanliness and hygiene, they eventually came up with these kind of hands-free cleansing toilet seats so you had an inbuilt bidet and the heated seat i mean that's neither here nor there but although japan gets very cold in the winter and they don't have a lot of central heating but they're pretty efficient they don't use a lot of water but um i have a japanese toilet do you does it do funky stuff it does do funky stuff yeah and i really love it so so (laughs) whenever the thing is it, it completely has spoiled me so it's in i've got a ramshackle house in the south of france and the toilet is the most expensive thing in the house. So when I go down there, the seat lifts up automatically and the lid. And so I find myself coming home and then standing in front of my toilet, waiting for it to <laughs> waiting for it to react to me. You've changed in my expectations. You've got this lovely ramshackled house in the south of France. The last thing you, you should have a distressed toilet in there, surely. Why? Why should I have a t- why should I have a crappy <laughs> I toilet? I don't know. No, I'm just imagining your sort of ramshackleness of your lovely French farmhouse in the Dordogne. And then suddenly yeah, and then you go you're up to the top the, floor and you go into And this, it's like, wow, high, yeah, high tech it was loo. Like a super high tech loo. It's funny. That's awesome. And did you get that after your kind of toilet research? Yeah, I gave a speech for Toto, which is one of the big Japanese toilet manufacturers. And they said, and they paid you in the, can't pay you in for a nice seat, loo. But would you like a toilet? So, yeah, sure. <laughs> Rose, thank you very much for coming and talking about the invention of toilets and so much more. 
We sort of touched on the invention of the lube and then moved on to much more interesting things. So thank you very much. When's your new book about fishing coming out? When I've written it. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it still in the planning stage? Is it still in the, oh, fuck, I've got a deadline, looming deadline? Yeah, it's in exactly Are you in the fear stage? stage? Oh, I've been in the fear stage for years. Is there any stage other than the fear stage? Yeah, the nice stage is when you've sent in your last draft and you do that nice bit where you go into your publisher's office and there's a big stack of your books and you have to sign them all. Yeah, but then you're terrified about what will happen when it comes out. I think the only nice day is when it does come out and if you're lucky you get decent reviews. I think the nicest stage are festivals. Festivals are nice. I think that's the only time when you're not scared because people come up to you and are really nice. (laughs) Well, although, and you're much more experienced than I am, I've only written one book, one and a half books, but it's that fear that someone comes up to you and goes, oh, I spotted another typo. Oh, yeah. Despite the levels of fact-checking that one does in books. I know. There's always mistakes. Anyway, Rose, it's a pleasure. I love your work. I think you're amazing. I think you're fascinating. I think you're brilliant. Thank you for coming on the show again. You're very welcome. That's it. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that wherever you are enjoying the show. Perhaps you're sitting down on the throne. If you did enjoy it, please don't forget, tell your family, your friends, your enemies all about it. And don't forget, get in touch if you've got a suggestion for a topic that you'd like us to cover. You can email at us at patented at historyhit.com or you can stop me in the street or you can get in touch with me on Twitter or wherever and we'll stick them on the list. We love your suggestions. We've done a few shows based on your suggestions and they're always very, very good. So don't stop. Thank you very much for your company and thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. While I still have you, very briefly, if you fancy getting all of the History Hit podcast archive and new episodes ad-free, along with hundreds of history documentaries to watch. Download our app across Apple App Store, Google Play, and smart TV platforms. Follow the link in the show notes, or go to historyhit.com slash subscribe. There is thousands of hours of history on there, including a documentary on science in the Middle Ages with Seb Folk, and also one with me talking about the secret history of the space race. As a patented listener, you get a special gift if you use the code 
patented at the checkout, you get 50% off your first three months. That's patented for 50% off your first three months. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free podcast episodes within the Apple app.